0: section nine of life of john churchill duke of marlborough by louise creighton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter five the spanish succession part one the war between france and the allies had lasted till sixteen ninety seven at first louis the fourteenth directed all his attention to crush william when affairs in ireland proved hopeless he had in sixteen ninety two fitted out a great fleet to invade england and restore james the french and the jacobites hoped that russell would not fight and that the french fleet would cross the channel without opposition but russell was just then out of temper with james he declared that if attacked he must do his duty and fight his best by his brilliant victory off laoug he brought back the mastery of the seas into English hands and put an end to James's hopes of restoration. After this, the war was confined to the continent, and Louis's armies fought in the Netherlands, on the Rhine, in Italy, and in Spain. Louis XIV won victories and took some strong cities, but on the whole he did not make much way. William was not a successful general, but he was wary and cautious he was never crushed by defeat but always showed himself bravest and most cheerful when everything seemed against him his policy was to stand on the defensive and to prevent great battles france was exhausted by the immense strain upon her resources and bad harvests had spread discontent among the people louis the fourteenth was glad in sixteen ninety seven to make proposals of peace he showed himself singularly moderate. The truth was that he wished to be on good terms with the rest of Europe, so as to have matters his own way with regard to the Spanish succession. On the 20th of February, 1697, after many tedious negotiations, prolonged by the difficulties raised by Austria and Spain, the Treaty of Rieswick was signed. By it the hopes of the Jacobites were crushed, for louis the fourteenth at last acknowledged william as king of england and anne as his successor amongst the treaties concluded by louis the fourteenth during the course of his long reign the peace of Ryswick is important as being the first which showed the resistance his power was beginning to meet this treaty was clearly not likely really to settle the points in dispute but it showed that europe was determined that louis the fourteenth should not have things all his own way on the conclusion of the peace william for the first time sent an ambassador to paris the person chosen for this important post was william's oldest and most trusted friend bentinck a dutchman whom he had made duke of portland the ambassador found one cause of indignant complaint in spite of the late treaty James was still allowed to keep up his mockery of a court at Saint-Germain, and English refugees who were known to have formed the basest plots against William's life, crowded the terraces of Versailles. But nothing would persuade Louis Fourteenth to banish James, and Portland had to drop the subject in disgust. During this embassy, the question which lay nearest Louis XIV's heart was at last discussed charles the second the miserable and sickly king of spain could not live much longer he was childless and the decision as to his successor could not safely be put off in spite of her vast dominions spain was at that time of absolutely no account in europe the different provinces which made up that mighty kingdom had nothing in common beyond their king nothing could give castile valencia Aragon, the Milanese, the Spanish Netherlands, the two Sicilies, and the extensive American colonies, any real unity, but the firm hand of a powerful ruler and Charles the Second was sickly and feeble, hopelessly infirm, both in body and mind, from his infancy, in the hands of a powerful king. Spain might once more become a power of the first rank. it was therefore of deep importance to all Europe who the next king should be three competitors presented themselves the french dauphin the emperor of austria leopold i and joseph the electoral prince of bavaria of these three the french dauphin undoubtedly had the best right as regarded blood relationship but maria theresa on her marriage with louis the fourteenth had solemnly renounced her claim to the spanish succession and this renunciation had been ratified by louis the fourteenth with the most binding oaths and incorporated into the peace of the pyrenees in sixteen fifty nine the infanta margaret grandmother of the electoral prince had also renounced her claims on her marriage with the emperor leopold but her renunciation had not been made with the same formalities which were observed in the case of her sister maria theresa the emperor leopold who felt that it would be impossible for him to succeed to the throne in person had handed on his claim to his second son the archduke charles the french dauphin in the same way had made over his claim to his second son philip duke of anjou but the accession either of a prince of the house of austria or of a prince of the house of bourbon to the vast monarchy of spain would have entirely disturbed the balance of power in europe so it came about that of the three candidates the electoral prince was generally preferred because having no power of his own his accession would leave the balance of power as it stood louis xiv was anxious to get in compensation for his grandson's claim some considerable portion of the spanish dominions he bade his ministers confer on this point with portland whilst he was in paris and finally sent thalard as ambassador to london to lay the matter before william after many discussions in london william went over to holland to his favourite palace st lou and was joined there by thalard and by portland from paris hensius the great pensionary of holland to whom william confided all his plans was also present at their deliberations and together they concluded the treaty known as the first partition treaty which was signed at the hague on the eleventh of october sixteen ninety eight by it the electoral prince was to have spain the indies and the spanish netherlands and louis xiv pledged himself to support his pretensions the french dauphin was to have the province of Gipuscua in the north of spain and the two sicilies the archduke charles was to have the milanese neither spain whose monarchy was thus ruthlessly divided into portions nor austria were parties to this treaty which was kept profoundly secret it is highly probable that it might have been peacefully carried out for it seemed calculated to satisfy the demands of the three candidates and spain left to itself was not capable of making its voice heard but in february sixteen ninety nine the electoral prince died of the smallpox, and the whole question had to be opened again louis Fourteenth at once came forward with larger claims but after some negotiations a second partition treaty was concluded between william louis xiv and hensius according to which spain the indies and the spanish netherlands were to fall to the archduke charles whilst france was to have the italian provinces negotiations were opened with the Emperor of Austria to prevail upon him to agree. The terms of this second partition treaty, as they became gradually known, excited great indignation in Spain, where the grandees naturally wished that their splendid monarchy should be kept together, and were disgusted that foreigners should presume to divide it without even consulting them. They therefore prevailed upon the wretched Charles II, to make a will, in which he declared Philip, Duke of Anjou, second son of the Dauphin, the sole heir to his vast monarchy. When Charles II died in November 1700 and this will became known, it seemed for a moment doubtful what course Louis XIV would take. But he did not hesitate long, and in spite of the solemn renunciation he had made and the treaties he had signed, he accepted for his grandson the magnificent inheritance of the undivided spanish monarchy at the moment no resistance was possible and the duke of anjou peaceably mounted the spanish throne with the title of philip v william was amazed even from louis xiv he had not expected such treachery but at the moment he was powerless to do anything he had never been very popular in england and since the peace of rieswick party struggles had increased his unpopularity and brought about events which mortified him deeply both whigs and tories had united to compel him to disband the greater part of the fine army which he had led against louis the fourteenth he had been obliged to dismiss his faithful and experienced dutch regiments from the english service The Tories had the upper hand in the House of Commons and regarded his Whig ministry with abhorrence. It followed that the English Parliament was more willing to accept the accession of the Duke of Anjou to the throne of Spain than they would have been to see the terms of the Partition Treaty carried out. The people judged everything from a commercial point of view, and thought that English commerce in the Mediterranean would suffer greatly if the two Sicilies were made over to the French. Whilst they thought that if the Duke of Anjou became King of Spain, he would soon put Spanish before French interests and would not let the French grow supreme at sea. End of section nine.